the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh, hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid up, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of delivered by Putsky. Remember, he's got to face Stevie Ray tonight as a representative of Hollywood Hogan. Oh, yeah. And you know that Hollywood Hogan wants to be the man to beat Goldberg. I'm sure that he's sending Stevie Ray out with special strategy for DDP. Shoots Rex King in. Oh, the Putsky bomb. That's got to do it. Scott Putsky just dropped Rex King right on his neck and will get the pinfall. Impressive victory for the son of Polish power, Scott Putsky. It's that one-two combination for Scott Putsky. First, the double sledge, the Polish hammer, all leading to his namesake move and the victory with the... This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Eat Your Coffee. Stay tuned a little bit later on in the show and find out how you can energize the moment with each and every bite of an Eat Your Coffee bar. And also head on over to eatyour.coffee right now and save by using the code POWERTRIP and get a little added extra bolt into your life with some Eat Your Coffee bars right now. So let's get it rolling right here. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. And John, this is a big show because it's almost a a wrap-up show and bringing to you today a guest that was with us this past weekend at Markout at the Meadowlands. Another very rare interview as we feature Scott Putsky on today's show. Uh, an interview that I'm very intrigued to listen to in absolute, uh, full, in a full status because I've listened to pieces of it. 
but I'm ready to hear some of the amazing stuff that you and Scott Putsky have to talk about today. And if I'm a little excited, it's because we are fresh off of Mark out at the Meadowlands, and we're going to take a few minutes here to recap the big day that was this past Sunday. Of course, there was some other big wrestling show going on that night, but you would uh, you wouldn't know what was going on in the wrestling world later on in the day because that morning at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel was a lot of fun. It was electric. There was over 40 superstars in the building, including some guys that crashed the party, which was uh, kind of funny. But it was just an, uh, a great experience to all the guests that came on to promote it, to all the guests that we've had on in the past, and obviously uh, some we will also have on in the future. It was such a joy to be a part of that experience. And, John, I know you were in the trenches there with good old JR Jim Ross in the uh, the back half of the room, and we almost got it from both sides. I saw everybody coming in through the front door, and you saw everybody uh, getting the old slobber knocker tuned up with good old JR. But what's some of your recollections here looking back at a, uh, at a fun Sunday with Mark out at the Meadowlands? What a great day. What a great turnout and so much fun all day. And I feel like the first couple hours were just crazy. Couldn't almost uh, digest what was going on. I couldn't almost, you know, get uh, involved with everybody because there was so much of a kind of craziness for the, uh, the first couple hours there, as soon as we kind of opened the doors, which was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it, at, when at first that rush happens, you kind of get uh, a little distracted, a little disoriented, and you're kind of just wondering, what the hell are we going to do here? But we settled it down. We took care of it. We had a great, great, tremendous crew helping us out. Uh, awesome stuff by everybody. I'd like to thank everybody that helped us. I'd like to thank all the fans that came. I'd like to thank anybody and everybody that was involved. The vendors, are, of course, our talent, our guests, and even the vendor guests, of course, as well. But like you said, JR, it was such a fun time with him. And obviously, you get to spend some time with Raphael as well, which is always fun. JR is the best in the business for a reason. So many fun stories, so many fun anecdotes. It's great just kind of picking his brain, see what he thinks about this, see what he thinks about that. Um, and kind of not only JR, but going around the room, talking to Tully, talking to Tessa Blanchard, talking to Dan Spivey and Stan Hansen and Butch Reed and Tito. Just so cool and so much fun. And obviously, talking to scott putsky who happens to be our guest today yeah it's such a a great tie-in now we tried to get this uh, hammer down before the show in time to promote it and obviously that's the uh, that's the fun part that john always uh <laughs> always has the dubious distinction of of doing is tracking down these interviews but uh i mean if you remember what scott putsky looked like when he got that shot on wwf tv in 1997 uh, he's not that far off from what he looked like then. I mean, he is still jacked. He still looks exactly the same and uh, kind of fitting the same bloodline there of his dad who stayed in such great shape for so many years and looked exactly the same, you know, even 20 years after uh, his heyday and his prime. Uh, but interesting stories that we have to look forward to here again. Like I said, I'm looking forward to listening to the whole thing after this is all ready to post because uh looks like you and Scott Putsky really did dive deep into some things that really uh, you didn't expect to be uh, explored when you got the interview pinned down. No, no, definitely not. I mean, awesome interview. Just had to say that first and foremost because – Sometimes you just quite frankly never know what you're going to get with the guy you're interviewing. And Scott Pusky is definitely one of those cases because when you're talking to him, whether you're setting up the interview or, or you're talking to him online or you're texting or whatever, you don't really get a, a 100% vibe of, of like, okay, let's see how talkative he is or let's see this. It's usually short and sweet or it's usually, you know, kind of just yes, no, maybe so, and maybe a little anecdote in between. But 
when the actual interview happens and, and they get to open up and you get to explore some topics, that is when you really kind of discover, wow, this is going to be a longer interview than I thought, or, you know, this is going to be really, really good. And Scott Putsky is one of those guys and it possibly could be because we're both Polish and he, we connected on that level. It could possibly <laughs> be um, because I know my dad was a big Ivan Putsky fan back in the day. Cause obviously Ivan Putsky's Polish were Polish and that's kind of the way it went back then. If you were a, a fan of, of the, the WWWF, you kind of went with the ethnicity thing, but with Scott, we even joked around like, oh, you know, uh, he's like, I told you some stuff I never told anybody else. I told you some good stories, told you some great stories. You may not have never heard it before. Or you may never hear it again, but I told you. So I was like, oh, it's got to be the Polish thing going on. That's why. So I thought that was cool. And it was really awesome to meet him and kind of ask him like, hey, you know, that story you said you never told anywhere else. Is that true? And he's like, yeah, I never did. And you really kind of delve into uh, some really interesting stuff. And in this interview, you get a, a lot of stuff you may not have known about him and his father, Ivan Putski, the legendary Polish power. So I think that above all might be the most interesting to a lot of people. Although obviously talking about his WWF run and his WCW run is great. And what you mentioned first, the fact that he is still jacked to the gills. He legit looks like he's probably about 28 years old. And I had to actually look online just to see how old he was. 52 wow. I sh literally shocked because you see some other 52 year olds they do not look like that i mean he almost looks better than he did when he was in his prime and it's crazy to kind of talk to him about that is it genetics is it working out like what is it and we do delve very very deep into that in the interview maybe it is that polish blood so well we're gonna interview you when you turn 52 and see if you look the same because he i'm telling you i walked by him first time i actually walked by him because he was wearing a hat I didn't recognize that it was him at first. And then when I saw him sitting at the table, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that's him? I was like, man, he looks great. And that is what is so cool about what you get into with this interview. Because even though he's kind of distanced himself from the wrestling world, you know, it still always goes back to that time that he was on TV. And when he did get a nice uh, little push there for a little bit in 1997, I mean, the thing that stuck out was his physique. And it's great to see that he's still uh, just a diehard uh, fitness fanatic, it looks like. So before we wrap it up here, because this is a good interview, I uh, just want to get one more thing about Scott Putsky before we wrap it up. You know, you, you, he didn't have what I would say the biggest career was in terms of years. But what was something that really did surprise you about the wrestling days of Scott Putsky in this interview? Well, when we go into it, it actually – he did have a, a longer career than people realize. I mean, obviously, you see a short stint in WWF. You see a short stint in the WCW, and you think, like, oh, I must have had a short career. But when you delve into it, you talk about his time in Mexico. You talk about his time in the war promotion in Japan. Obviously, he was in global for quite a bit there. So, I mean, he's had a longer career than you maybe even realized or maybe you anticipated him having just because of those short runs in the WWF and WCW. And I think it's interesting we get into, like, he had a guaranteed contract in WCW, how he got into WCW. I think all that stuff is great and so cool. But when you get into the WWF stuff and kind of what didn't work and what did work, it's almost one of those things where we keep kind of running into this with a lot of guys where it didn't work out, so to speak, in the WWF, maybe because of Vince McMahon's hatred for all the guys that his father liked. And it's a weird thing, and we get into it, and he totally agreed with me when I said that. And I said, isn't that weird? It almost seems like anybody Vince Sr. liked, Vince Jr. doesn't. So we went through the list. Dominic DiNucci, he doesn't like him for whatever, somehow, some way. Because obviously, Chad, you know Dominic DiNucci very well. Impossible not to like. Absolutely. Uh, 
Bruno San Martino. Obviously, they had his issues. Uh, no respect for Pedro Morales, which is utterly insane for whatever reason. Um, doesn't make sense to me. Um, and obviously, Ivan Putsky, Vince doesn't like either. And that kind of led to the downfall of Scott Putsky and the WBF, which we talk about in the interview. Yeah, I'll even throw another name on there. How about Larry Zbysko as well? You know, he was exiled mm, for so long, mm-hmm. you know, and that goes back to that Bruno class, and that goes back to those guys that were on top right before Vince uh, took control and then obviously was just an announcer at the time. So whether or not he was shunned by uh, some of the guys, that could be something that played in. We don't know, but I'll tell you what, if there's any aspiring authors that are listening, that is one hell of a book. To, uh, <laughs> that is one hell of a book subject. The uh, the The guys that Vince McMahon kind of shunned that Vince McMahon Sr. did like. So that's uh, that's pretty cool that you delved into that. So let's wrap it up here. Let's get into this interview, kind of chomping at the bit to listen to it myself. So let's get into the action, if you will. Again, if you came out to mark out at the Meadowlands, if you were able to join us, we really appreciate that you did that. It was an awesome day. It was a great experience. We want to thank our buddy Nick, our partner in Mark Out at the Meadowlands, uh, for all his work and everything that he did that day, running around like a chicken with his head cut off. So it was a great effort by all. Uh, who knows what the future would bring, but we move forward to what is next, and that is TMP Con 3, the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, May 18th in Richmond, Virginia, out on Commerce Road. Head on over to tmptofwrestling.com. There you will get the link directly to Brown Paper Tickets where you can get your tickets to join us for this Jim Cornette experience. It's going to be an interesting one, to say the least. So let's wrap it up here nice. Let's do what we do best. Let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Scott Putsky. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And, and now, without any further ado, a former War Six-Man Tag Team Champion, a former Global World Tag Team Champion, as well as a former Global Texas Champion and North American Champion, you may know him as the Polish Prince. He is Scott... Please enjoy.
right. Joining us on the line right now is a former war six-man tag team champion, a former GWF world tag team champion, as well as a former GWF North American and Texas champion. You may know him as the Polish Prince. He is Scott Putzke. Scott, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, John. It's my pleasure, bro. Now, when we uh, do, you know, a lot of these interviews, and obviously you've been everywhere, you've done everything, but sometimes you look at the guys now and when their prime was, you know, several years ago, you're always like, man, I want to see if this guy's still in shape. I want to see what this guy still looks like. And you still look basically almost identically the same. Is that just genetics or, you know, what have you been doing? Because you literally look like you haven't changed or aged at all. Actually, I'm in better shape now. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm not as big. I mean, back then I was probably about 245, 250, and now I'm about 225, 230, but I'm a lot more lean. I, you, know, you know, as you as you grow older, you learn. I learned a lot. You know, as a, when I was a young guy, I thought, you know, more was better, you know, more weight, the bigger I'd get. And, you know, over the course of time, you learn not only, you know, simple rules of bodybuilding, but also your body, you know, it tells you everything that it's, you know, wants you to do. You just got to be kind of intuitive to where you listen to it and you go from there. So I pretty much perfected my, uh, I guess, my sensei with my body. Now, what have you been up to? Like, obviously, you know, you still work out, you still keep in shape. But what has Scott Pusky been up to? Nah, I'm just hanging out, man. I do work on cars, motorcycles. I do have a home building company with my brother, my older brother, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And, you know, just take it easy, man. Really try to work on myself and work on my family and just enjoy life. Now, obviously, you are the Polish prince, the son of the legendary Ivan Pusky. Mm-hmm. Obviously, huge, huge, I mean, gigantic name in the wrestling business, especially where I am uh, in, in the Northeast. I mean, boy, oh, and, I, and obviously yeah. being of Polish descent, I mean, just a huge, huge name in, in the wrestling business. Did he always want you to get into wrestling, or maybe he didn't want you to get into wrestling? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was I was, I was his, uh, I guess growing up, I was always his show pony. I have two brothers and a sister, and I was the one that kind of, you know, was there in the front as far as athletics. I played football in college at TCU, and then I went and went to Houston and played with the Oilers and tore my Achilles heel in camp. And so, you know, the next thing, just like anything else, you know, kind of was there, you know, so I did it, and I enjoyed it. And, and you know, I, I think, honestly, with the Putsky name, because of all the uh, – you're going to think it's weird – all the enemies my father made, um, it kind of hurt me. I mean, as far as with Vince McMahon and just different promoters and stuff that my dad, he was, he was a, he was more of a worker's guy. You know, he stood up for everybody, you know, as far as pay and stuff like that. And he, he didn't let every, you know, these promoters screw these guys over. And if he thought something, you know, he spoke it. I mean, and that's just how, you know, I mean, I'm like that, but I'm a little more subtle about it, mm. more in your face, you know, but it, him and Vince McMahon pretty much, well, Vince hates him. Dad could care less about Vinny. I won't call him Vince McMahon because he's not Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon mm. was a, the the greatest man, one of the greatest men I ever met in my life, but we'll call him Vinny. He's Vinny mm. as far as mm. you're concerned. Now, obviously, uh, your father, 
you know, the Polish power. He's such a big name for Vince Sr. back in the day. Was that kind of hard for you when you got into business? I mean, it's a huge, I won't say you know, like a shadow, but, I mean, it's a huge thing to kind of overcome when your father is that big of a legend. People think a lot of you. You know, it wasn't. I didn't really think about it like that. Our styles were different. You know, I was more athletic, and he was more, I mean, what the hell Vince did was trying to put me in the, the light heavyweight when he had what Shawn Michaels was his world champion at the time. He was 190 pounds, and I was 240. But he right, yeah. Yep. It made no sense. But, I mean, that's just Vince. You know, it's kind of a slap in my dad's face is kind of what he was doing. But, you know, it didn't bother me. You know, I just, you know, the business as far as wrestling with me is a business. And I got paid, and I got paid well. And, you know, as long as they were doing that, I, I could care less. Everybody knew it was a work. And anybody that knows me knows my abilities and my um, – that I can take care of myself. I mean, you know, originally before I went to, you know, even got into the WWF, I, I worked, you know, a lot of independent places. I'd went to Japan and worked Japan. I'd learned the Japanese style. I went to Mexico and wrestled, did the Conan Dos Mil 2000 gimmick, and wrestled in Mexico, and of course, all, you know, all the independents here in the States, and I, you know, I was fluent in Greco-Roman wrestling, and, and boxing, when I was a kid, I boxed a lot, so I mean, you know, I could take care of myself, and people that know me, you know, know, and the, the guys in the business that really knew me knew, you know, who I was, and what I could do, so it didn't bother me, you know, it is it, it, the work, and the fans know it's work. Absolutely, and it's interesting, the, like you mentioned, the time in WWF, and that's so funny that you were part of the light heavyweight division, and obviously anybody could see you were not a light heavyweight. It's just no. one of those things that's like, guy's kind of big to be <laughs> in this division yeah. with these guys that he's kind of like you know, dwarfing a little bit. Yeah, it's just it was a slap. You know, Vince, dad and superstar Billy Graham, God bless superstar. I, mean, I love that guy. I love him. I mean, any of you guys that follow him on Facebook, follow him. The guy's hilarious. He's, I mean, but he's a shooter. So if you don't, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't follow him. But I love Billy to death, man. I've known him since I was a kid. And, you know, him and dad actually told, taught Benny how to work out. Vince senior, you know, wanted, he had, Vince wanted to, Benny wanted to work out. So Vince talked dad and superstar into taking him into the gym. And, you know, they, pretty much blew him up because they'd make him do their workouts and stuff. And, you know, it was just, a, there was a lot of animosity because Vince senior really loved my father. I mean, he loved him and took care of him. And I mean, he, he liked a lot of people, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't screwing anybody, but he really liked my dad. And back in the day when dad was in New York, we had a, they had a place in New York and car, he had a car there, you know, for us and everything. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know the whole in and out, but I've heard, you know, stories and stuff, you know, about shit that happened between, pardon me, stuff that happened between dad and Vince. And, you know, to me, anybody that, that puts, you know, their, their, uh, what am I trying to say? Puts their ego in front of making money is a sack. They're just a sack, bro. I mean, it's, you know, it's live and let live and let's let the best go out in front. And, you know, all this ass kissing that goes on, you you see it everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. To me, it's intolerable. And that's kind of why I really, I mean, one of the reasons I walked away when I just walked away from it when I did, because, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, you're, I can sit here and, and watch this and, 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 you know, be disgusted with it, or I can be at home with my family and, and, you know, take care of my son and be with, and just enjoy life. Or 
I can sit here and listen to do this bullshit. You know, and growing up as a kid, I never really got to see my dad because he was on the road, you know, and back then, I mean, even now, but really back then, you know, they drove everywhere and they were on the road probably, probably 320 days, days a year. So he was probably only home 40, 40 something days a year. And, you know, when I grew up, I was like, man, I'm not going to be like that to my son. So when my son was born, my son was actually born when I was in the W in WCW. And after about a year of it, I was just like, I'm done. I don't, I don't need this. It is crazy the way the wrestling business is as far as just, you know, working on the road so much and being away. And, you know, you mentioned something about Vince Sr. loving your dad and Vince Jr. not. It's so strange that it it seems to be that way that whoever Vince Sr. liked, it almost seems like Vince Jr. automatically doesn't like. Like he had a problem with Bruno for all those years. Obviously, Vince Sr. was his boy. Pedro Morales, for God knows what reason. You know what I mean? For no reason. Yep. I mean, it's so weird, right? It just almost doesn't make sense. Well, it's it's his insecurity. You know, Vince didn't know his dad growing up. And, and, you know, when they, I don't know if you know the whole story, the true story about Vince and his son, but, you know, look into it if you don't. He was basically, he was with his mom, and then uh, I believe he was in, was I think, North Carolina, and obviously his dad was up north running right. the, the right. WWF. Yeah. WWF. Yes. Triple WF. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And he was in military school, got kicked out of military school, right? And then he ended up, um, I guess, living with his dad for a while. And then he kind of uh, caught on to the wrestling business and There's the rest more of his history. There's more to it. Dig deeper. Dig deeper. Dig deeper. That's all I'm going to say. Dig oh, okay. All right. That is yeah, something I'd, I'd love to do. Anyway, I'd love to do that but, yeah, with, with, with that, you know, and that's irrelevant to me. I could care less. But the thing is, is, you know, wrestling has just – transpired i mean it's just it's evolved into a comedy show man i mean it's basically you know most of those guys you know god bless them man and if they can make money doing it you know god bless anybody that can do it but i mean it's a bunch of high school kids looking that that you know you see in everyday life you can see people of their caliber or better walking in a mall in any city in the united states you know back when dad did it and and and, you know back in those days those guys were freaks, man. I mean, these guys were char- they were legitimate characters. I mean, if you saw them, you knew they were somebody. Even if you didn't know wrestling, you saw these guys somewhere. You know, you go, that I got somebody. Or he's, you know, he he he's just not someone you're gonna mess with. Now you walk right past. I mean, I don't watch TV, so I'm sure I'd. Watch, I mean, I see bits and pieces where people will tell me stuff, but from what I've seen, you know, it's not impressive, man, like it used to be. Do you you know pay a lot of attention to current wrestling? Do you watch a lot not of current wrestling? Not really. I probably see it maybe three or four times a year. If somebody tells me, "Hey, turn this on, watch this guy," I mean, and it's usually someone that's laughing at somebody, or they'll text me and say, "Watch this guy." Can you believe this guy's champion? Or can you believe, you know, yada yada yada? And you're just like, wow. You know, back in the day, that guy wouldn't have even been in the locker room. It is crazy. Back in the day, obviously, you know, you're you're so right. You look at the guy and you're like, man, he's a star. Who is that? He's somebody's. Yeah. Those guys were larger than life. But exactly. they, they really, you know, made it out to, and they wanted you to, you know, believe that they were somebody and something and they carried themselves that way. You're yeah. right. The current wrestling, well, they, they, you they, don't they, see too they, many of that. Kate Fabe was alive back then. Kate Fabe, she still lived. 
Mm-hmm. Now she's deader than the doorknob. I mean, she's a she's a rug in everybody. She's like a a, a fake fake bare rug in everybody's home. Kay Fabe was alive and swinging back then, and these guys knew it, you know. And it's it's like you know, I got I got bitched at a lot for being too stiff or being and you know, it's, I didn't say I was stiff. I say I was snug. But you watch any of my matches and you see, tell me if any of my punches look fake. You look at any of my matches, you tell me where I missed or if any of my punches look fake, and I'll give you $100. the way it is, you know. Back then, if you couldn't take a chop to the chest or, or forearm to the back, you know, I mean, just as long as you stay away from the face and the nut area, you're good. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're not taking any more bumps than a guy that's playing football, a guy that's practicing football in, in high school. High school, let's say a high school kid. I mean, everybody played football in high school. You took more licks in high school practice during the week and at a game than these guys take all year long. And if they want to say, you know, these guys say, I got a bad back from rest. I mean, some of these dummies that do these stupid stunts, you know, and take, take you know, several bad bumps, I can see it. But as a whole, come on, man. You just got to take care of yourself. You, you run down because you let yourself get run down. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. It's just like football. You know, these guys bitching and complaining and making this big deal out of concussions. Man, those guys back in the day, they you, a football player today couldn't have played back in the 70s and 80s. There's no damn way. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger maybe. But anybody else in the NFL couldn't have played back in the 80s. You take Earl Campbell, you take Walter Payton, you take uh, uh, Eric Dickerson, and you put them in today's offense, these guys are going to run for 1,000 yards a year every year. Because they were tough, man, and they were used to it. You know, now our society has become so weak. It's become so weak. You know, everybody, everybody deserves a medal. Everybody deserves this. You know, it, it's just, you know, I, 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 love, I love everybody. I got a problem with nobody. But I just think that there's too many complaints. Instead of just saying, look, it's me. It's on me. I'm the way I am because of me. Then you know, look at yourself in the mirror, and if you like what's looking back, if you truly like look, what's looking back, great. If you don't, change it. But don't be fake and, and phony about it. I mean, uh, you know, some people are going to go, oh, yeah, I like what's looking back, and they don't. And some people are going to say, yeah, I like what's looking back, and they do. But the people that don't, change it. And it's just like anything else. I, I got a pain. Okay, I'm going to stretch more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out. I'm going to take care of myself, I, I, whatever it is. You know, we need to, as a society, quit complaining and start taking action and doing stuff and taking responsibility for ourselves. You nailed the uh, nail on the head, so to speak, on that one. I mean, the pussification of America is definitely, definitely true. And like you said, with those football players, man, those were the glory days of, of the tough guys. And, and I don't know too many guys can do that. They, they, you know, back when Terry Bradshaw, I've read stories back when Terry Bradshaw played for them, I'm a big Steeler fan. You you take that out. I lived in Texas. Go figure. I used to get beat up because I never rooted for the Cowboys and the Steelers would always beat them. I didn't get beat up, but I learned to fight. Anyway, besides that, the point is, is, is you know, back then, Terry Bradshaw had to work at a car lot. He was selling cars in the offseason to supplement his income. Dude, you right. think a guy today would sell cars? I mean, they're bitching and complaining if they're not making $10 million. Yeah. Our society has become weak. You know, and people ask me, dude, how do you stay in such good shape? I stay in shape because I put work in. I put the time in. I eat right. Well, I eat right during the week. During the weekends, I eat whatever I want. I eat pizza and hamburger. But I put it to work in. 
you know, and I, it's, it's, it's nothing that, and I wouldn't really necessarily, I don't call it work. I don't call it work because to me, it's therapy. Going to the gym is therapy. Riding my motorcycle is therapy. You know, building cars is therapy. But, you know, unless you enjoy it, you know, what's the point? What's the point? Definitely. Now, as far as your wrestling and your wrestling career, is that something that you did really enjoy, or is that kind of just, you know, you did it because you want, you know, you did it, you basically. You know, I did. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the independent scene probably the best because that's when wrestling was more pure. You know, I mean, I was, I got to, to work with, uh, uh, you know, just different guys, Tony Atlas, um, uh, I can't even remember Black Bart back in the days, uh, Dick Murdoch, uh, the, you know the Von Erics and stuff like that here in Texas. People know them. Uh, just just different people. The the real Iron Sheik. Um, just just you know Snooker, Jimmy Snooker. Just different. I can name a bunch of people that I got to you know I learned and worked with, and it was pure. It was fun. You know we had a good time and. Everybody had a good time, you know, and everybody, it wasn't about who's on top, who's this, who's that. You know, we were, whoever, you know, whoever in this business, what you got to realize is whoever draws the most money, everybody's going to make more money. If your main event is drawing money and your, your opening act, your opening card guy, mid card, opening card guys are, are doing good, then everybody's doing good. It doesn't matter who's on top. It, it, I mean, it shouldn't. It should be, this is, we're doing this because we enjoy it, and it was fun. And then when I got to WCW and WWF, it was, I mean, really, I would say more WCW was more of a clusterfuck, but it just, it wasn't enjoyable. It was, a, it, it became a, a, like a business, you know, and jealousy. And, and back then, you know, more in WCW, you know, Hogan and Nash and those guys didn't want to pass the torch. And, you know, that's why, that's why they got swallowed up by Vince, because, in that era, you know, sure they had the NWO, and to me, Scott Hall was NWO. To me, Scott Hall was was probably one, if not the best wrestler of all time, as far as as working ability and and mic skills and stuff like that. Scotty was uh, to me, he was number one. I I can't think of anyone, but you know, next to superstar Billy Graham, you know, as far as mic skills, those two guys were neck and neck to me. But you know, while they were redundant and rehashing over and over and over and over and over and over and over the same old stuff. Vince was building new stars. And so when it came time for the passing of the guards, there was no passing. Nobody passed the torch in WCW. And so there was no new stars built when Vince was building his stars. And that's why he got swallowed up. It'd be like Tom Brady staying in the league till he's a hundred. He's good now. And eventually he's not going to be Tom Brady. Right. Right, you would think, who's yeah. Behind, who who's behind him? Who do we got that's going to take his spot? And when it's time, you know, to, for the big show to come and 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 to make this big splash, Tom Brady can't do it anymore. Who's going to do it? Well, we haven't put anybody out there. We haven't invested any money in anybody to do it. And to me, that's where WCW got. I mean, how do you? How in God's green earth? How in God's green earth do you let Vince McMahon beat you? when you have Ted Turner money. How? Free TV. Free TV. He did not pay for his TV. How do you how do you how do you lose? How do you lose? You got Hogan, you got Nash, you got Hall, you got all these guys to build future stars with, but you know, some of them don't want to do it. They want it to be all about themselves. 
was it a political minefield in WCW, like even further oh, than the jealous in the back of a lot of politics? It was so horrible. It wasn't even funny. I mean, Eric Bischoff was the biggest freaking joke to walk on the face of the earth. That guy had nothing, no business being in wrestling business. That guy didn't know his big toe from his little toe. I mean, all he did was, yeah, that was, that was an, I mean, abomination. It was, it was, uh, you know, if they weren't paying what they were paying and guaranteed money, they wouldn't have done crap. Vince would have blown them out of the water. But he just bought up all of Vince's immediate stars and, you know, what he thought was going to be his future stars and then tanked. I mean, just, you know, the NWO got over. And then other than that, it didn't. Nothing was, I mean, he didn't invest in anything. Think about it. They every, every every Thunder, every Nitro, how many times was, was NWO on it or a member of the NWO on it? Every freaking episode. Every 15 minutes, you were seeing someone from the NWO, right? Mm-hmm. Can't do that. I mean, it's got to be a show, you know. But it is what it is, and, you know, I lived through it, and I, you know, made some good friends, and uh, I'm sure I made some enemies, but, you know, life goes on. Absolutely, and, you know, talking about NWO and the WWF and Bischoff and McMahon during that time, Going through the Monday Night Warriors, were you kind of surprised about how many fans and how many people were actually watching wrestling at that point? No, because you got to understand. I mean, and, and I, you know, maybe it's because I was naive and I was, I was, um, uh, I mean, I, I grew up in the business. So, you know, I was, I was blessed enough to grow up and have people, like, you know, my father, Bruno San Martino, Andre the Giant. I mean, you think of all these living legends. I met them. I mean, I was around them all my life as a child. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, we would go to Venice. Dad was in the World's Strongest Man. Um, you know, John Cole played with the Steelers. Uh, Matusak. Remember Matusak played with the Oakland Raiders. Went to the beach and hung out with him, and he threw us around in the thing. I mean, remember John Matusak? Mm-hmm. Yep. Guys like that, I mean, it was just, you know, anybody. Brian Oldfield was a disc, uh, you know, a shot putter, discus guy in the Olympics. It was just, you know, people, all these people we grew up around, it wasn't a big deal. The the media, the, you know, showbiz and stuff, it was just kind of like, that's just what everybody did. You know, in wrestling back then, it was to me, you know, people go, well, wow, wasn't it cool having his, I'm Putsy your dad? It was like, he was my dad. I thought everybody's dad was like that. You know, you as a kid, you don't think about it. If your dad's a doctor, you know, you think, no, but that's a big deal. You know, I want to be a doctor. And your dad a, a, works at the Seven Eleven. You know, hey, I'm going to be like my dad and work at Seven Eleven. We don't think of, you know, high-paying jobs or money or stuff like that. It was just, you know, it was just kind of a cool laid back. And, and back then, truly, they were friends. I mean, and it was a work. And they'd work. And it was funny to see because, you know, I'd see these guys, these guys that were larger than life. You know, yelling to you, you're like, oh, my God, you know, dad's going to get hurt or dad's, you know. And then they go in the back and they're laughing and joking and hugging. And you're like, okay, I got it. But to see the legends do that. So you see the difference between my view of wrestling and most everybody else's view of wrestling. When you actually got to WCW, obviously, you know, you were gone from the WWF at this point. How did you kind of find WCW or how did they find you? Who recruited you? I was real good friends with DDP, 
And DDP had been trying to get me to go over there all the time. I worked at Independence with DDP up in New York and stuff before he went to WCW. And, you know, we were always really good buddies. And finally he was like, man, you know, come up here. Everybody's coming up here. And, da, 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 da. and uh, you know, you're easy money. We work twice a week and that's it. Because we weren't, they weren't a, 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 they weren't a, they were a television company. They weren't a, you know, there was no, no live shows. Think about it. Mondays and Thursdays. And Monday, um, Monday, I'd go in. You'd, you'd go to the, you'd get to the, you'd rent your car. You'd go to the arena, see where you were on the chart. If you could catch, and this is back before you had to pay for to change a flight. So you go in and you see where you were on the on the booking chart. You know, as far as the show. If you weren't early before half half, and you weren't on the second taping, you didn't get a hotel. You just did your match, threw your shit on, hauled ass to the airport, exchanged your ticket, got home, took a red eye home. So it wasn't. It was WCW wasn't hard. It's a, it was a TV company. So for the guys, it was it was a TV. It was it was perfect. But they just they they had their thumb up their butt. They didn't know what they were doing. I mean, think about it. That's a perfect situation, and you're getting a check every two weeks, regardless if you work or not. If I work, if I work ten matches, John, or I work a hundred matches, I got the same pay. Everybody got you are guaranteed. Everybody well, was on a guaranteed contract. Oh, everybody! I didn't realize everybody was on. Wow. Well, I mean, the guys that had contracts were. I'm, I would assume and everybody was. I mean, except mm-hmm. for you know the jobber guys. But all the people on that roster were on a guaranteed contract. Did you have uh, certain expectations from WWE? Were you expecting to push? Were you expecting better? I did initially. Initially, I did, and then after about a couple months, I was just like, "This ain't going nowhere. I'm gonna just ride this pony until the wheels fall off because they're fixing to fall off, and then you know, figure whatever I want to do out then." But yeah, you could see it. I could see it. I mean, I I saw it coming because, like I said, I grew up in the business, and I know what it takes. You've got to pat. You've got to and I'm, I'm a real athlete. I mean, I played football. I was a real athlete. I'm not a, just a just a guy who just wrestled in his life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those guys. But I'm just saying, it's it's a, I'm a person that, you know, I took licks. I, I gave licks out. I, you know, I hit people. I took a punch. I took a, you know, you can only do so much. And then, you know, you got to, it's the people you're working with and the people you're working for. And it goes back to, I saw, I saw you know, dad and superstar go to in Madison Square Gardens and spend 10 minutes and not even touch, not even touch, and have them in the palm of their hand. It was the way they looked. And this is what my father always told me. He said, Scott, always remember this. He said, they can only see it. They cannot feel it. They can only see it. They cannot feel it. So that's my was my mentality. They can only see it. They cannot feel it. So if it doesn't look real, they're going to go, that's doo-doo. It's no good. So you can do whatever you want. It's like a magician. You can do whatever you want because they're not going to feel it. But, you know, how many times, John, have you had people come up to you from back in the day, you know, the 70s and, you know, 80s, really 70s or 60s and 70s, and them say, Man, I used to really like wrestling back when it was real. Right. Yes. Right? Yep. I mean, of course, they were stiffer back then, and they didn't do all these high spots to make it so unbelievable. But, you know, 
it's it's the the psychology was different. It was you know it was it was just different. You know, and it could go. It, the rest of business could go back to that. It could go back to it because everything is cyclical in life. Everything, everything is cyclical in fashion. You know, everything is cyclical in life. You know, housing prices are cyclical. The market is cyclical. The, the you know, the stock market cyclical. Everything is cyclical. Flat. I mean, like I say, go back to fashion. Seventies stuff in the seventies are cool now. You know, cyclical. It's just like rock and roll. Name a great rock and roll band that's come out in this era. A great rock and roll band. I'll name 100 of them back in the 70s and 80s. I'll name one rock and roll band. I mean, I five-finger death punch, but there's those guys are in their 40s, you know, late 40s, so they don't really count. They're, they're from that older genre. But, I mean, name a real rock and roll band. Rock and roll, I'm talking Motley Crue, Kiss, Guns N' Roses, you know, Aerosmith. The Who, Zeppelin, uh, Osborne, any anybody, name one. Can you name one? Not modern, no, definitely not. <laughs> right. It's now. It's the same with wrestling. But why do all these Motley Crue goes on tour and they sell out arenas? There's nobody now that can sell out arenas. You know, Kiss goes on tour, and I mean, and they're the fake Kiss, so they don't really count. But you put Peter Chris. And you put Ace Freely back in the original Kiss. See, they sell out. They can sell out. Well, they did. They could sell out Mass Square Garden ten days in a row. You put original Guns and Roses together. We saw them. They sold out. Made them down here in in Dallas. Yep. You know, you just. You, but it's the same thing. If wrestling goes back to its roots, and we develop, you know, people that are believable freaks, because people like freaks. Everybody likes freaks, you know, because we can't all be freaks. So people like to look at something and go, God dang. I mean, I, that's a freak. And, you know, it's football, same thing. These guys don't wear pads. You take guys back then, you know, in this, this new league, what the, the minor kind of pseudo-minor league of football, I watch it, and those guys are laying it out, man. They're not throwing flags for everything. I mean, the rules are different. And it's kind of fun to watch. Of course, they don't have the great athletes like the NFL does. But these guys have more passion, and they're hitting. Well, watch it. If you get a chance, watch that league. You know that new league that they have? You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Hip AAF, yep. Yeah, watch it. Those guys are laying the, they're laying wood. You know, and they're not the greatest athletes. But the same thing. Think if, 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 if these athletes today went back to the old way of the Jack Tatums, the Mel Blunts, you know, these guys that hit back in the day, what – what a draw that would be, and what you know, it would be a, it'll be a shock. It would almost be a shock. He would go, "What the?" So, you take my dad, you take superstar Billy Graham, you take Bruno Sammartino, you take Jimmy Snuka, you take Andre the Giant, um, take Wahoo McDaniel's, you take uh, the Iron Sheik, you take. I mean, I can go on and on. You take just those guys, and. You've never seen them before, and you put them on today's wrestling, you shit in your pants. And you, they did what they did back then. You shit in your pants, right? Mm-hmm. They kill these guys, yeah. Yeah. So why can't they do it? Why is it that hard? Why is it that hard? Vince McMahon, you supposedly can buy anybody that hard. I mean, it's not rocket science. People want to believe so bad. People want to believe that wrestling is real so bad. 
but you're feeding them doo-doo. You're feeding them stuff that's so off-the-wall ridiculous. There's no way they're going to believe it. It's comical. It's funny. I mean, people laugh at it. The majority of people laugh at wrestling today. You know, in MMA and UFC, they've taken over and killed, the you know, wrestling. Dana White's just not wrestling out the kaboo. That's why, you know, his guys can't even survive in wrestling, in, in MMA. Anyone that goes to MMA gets shit beat out. But the point is, is his stuff is so they draw. You know, they draw. And, and the MMA and UFC is nothing more than what the old wrestling used to be. A pseudo shoot. Right? Right, and they took the fan, those old school fans with them, apparently, because now but they're all watching MMA. Because the kids like that. I mean, the only people watching wrestling are, you know, I'm not going to say anyway. But the point is, is that, I mean, the kids love it. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, MMA and UFC, it's fun to watch. I said the day the guy crawls up on top of the octagon and does a moonsault, the day I turn it off. And that day will probably come, which, you know, unfortunately... But right now, MMA and UFC is killing wrestling because it's real and people believe. Well, actually, um, there you have seen a guy, a few guys in UFC do the moonsault, but that was after they knocked the guy out. Right. Then they yeah, would do the moonsault. I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. I'm, that's funny. Yeah, but I'm saying in a match, you know, or do of something. Course. Yeah, but something. Yeah. Yep. I just, I just wish that, that you know, really. To me, and anybody that's listening to this interview, if you're a younger kid, go back and watch these YouTube because they got them. Go watch YouTube's of Dad. Go watch YouTube's of Superstar Billy Graham. Go watch YouTube's of Bruno San Martino. Go watch, you know, Jimmy Snook, Andre the Giant. I mean, it's impre- it's it's enjoyable. You enjoy watching it. You know, it's just something that you just it, it's like wow, that really that was happening all the time. You know, and these poor kids, it's just like football. Go back and watch it. My son watches all these old football, and he's into Molly Crew and all the, the thing. And he said, Dad, I wish I had grown up in your era. I wish I had grown up in your era. Yeah, it was, it was quite the era. I mean, you can't really touch a lot of those guys. And, you know, you're saying those kind of old school guys and that kind of, you know, toughness in WCW. Was there any matches that you, you know, you did like, cause there were some good guys that you were in there with and some good hard, sure. tough guys, you know, like me. Guerrero. I love working with Eddie Guerrero. I mean, uh, ben, uh, uh, Jericho was fun to work with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, there were several guys that were fun to work with, but then I had to work with guys like that Conan, who's a piece of shit. I mean, he did that Lucha Libre flip. I mean, you know, it took a minute, for a for a hole to transpire, you got to kind of sit there and watch him do these rolls, and then he he'd get you, you know. And you're just like, okay, I mean, how do I sell that? <laughs> I mean, how do I sell that? <laughs> you know, taking nothing against Lucha Libre, but you got to understand at that time, WCW had Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrero, the two greatest, in my eyes, the two greatest Lucha Libre guys ever to come out of Mexico and work together. Those matches that they had were phenomenal. I mean, literally phenomenal. I'm not a big Lucha Libre guy. I wrestled there, and I, I hated it. But to watch those, go back and watch those old tapes of Ray and, and Hoovy, and you just, you, it blows you away. But you couldn't have that every, every match. You know, so these guys trying to duplicate and replicate that, these Americans trying to replicate that now, do these, these high-risk moves, and no way are you even close. 
it's not even close. Go back and watch the matches between Ray, Ray and Hoobie, and you'll just it'll blow your mind, you know. But once you've seen that, then just anything less is it just it's not, it's subpar. And so, you know, same thing with me. You know, growing up seeing wrestling, if you didn't do it that way and it wasn't done like that, then it was subpar. Hey, let's pause for one second and remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee, as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter, and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with eat your coffee bars you know you mentioned mexico obviously you were in cmll for a little bit and as we said you were conan 2000 that gimmick Mm -hmm. you didn't like that style that style doesn't seem to fit you was that just because you know maybe the money was good or the money was right or they kind of recruited you down there i love the people i absolutely love mexico I, i i wanted to move there i loved it but then the peso dropped and you know the economy wasn't really good I mean, the 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 people are, are some of the most fantastic people in the world. I love the culture. I love everything about Mexico. That's why I go there all the time. I mean, I'm always in Cabo San Lucas or Cozumel or Cancun, mostly Cabo now because I just really love it there. But you know, it just it it was just a it was a stepping stone for me. You know, it's like I want to learn before I I want to do everything before I go to the big show, before I go to Vince or before you know. At the time it was then, so that's all it was. But before I go to WWF, I want to go and learn and just experience everything there is to experience in this business. And I did. I mean, I, you know, luckily I got the opportunity to. So, you know, and working in war was fun. And Tenru was the booker at the time, and he, I loved it. You know, the guys there were great. I got to work with Backlund and, and uh, Sapinski, uh, Warlord. Loved it. It was fun. But... You know, it, it it it. I didn't really like being in Japan. I mean, I love the culture there too, but it was just so far. You know, and it's a, it's a sixteen, eighteen hour flight, and you're just wore out. And, you know, you're there for two or three weeks, and you're just ah, 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 just redundant. I learned. I learned so much there. I learned so much there. So, you know, it, it, the experience, whether I loved it or hated it, like you know. I, I can't really say I hated anything because I learned everything I've done in life. I've learned. So I really can't say I hate anything, but I've made mistakes and I've, you know, I've climbed the mountain, but, and you know, either one I learned and I continue to learn. As you're going to Mexico with CMLL and as you're going to Japan and the war promotion with Tenru, how did you get on Vince's radar? Were you always on his radar because of your dad? And sure, like, how did sure. how did you get recruited yeah. in? Yeah, he can, he can say whatever the hell he wants. He, I mean, come on, man. I was on his radar mm-hmm. the 
when I was in high school. Mm. I mean, he knew me when I was in high school when I was working out. I mean, I'd been where I was benching 405 when I was a senior in high school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I mean, he knew me when I was in high school. So, I mean, I, and, and you know, I knew his dad. I knew him. I knew, you know, everybody. I knew Vince's bomb. I mean, all of it. It's just, you know, just to see where it's came, where this business has is, is, is come to. It's just, it's, it's, it's mind altering to me because, you know, back then those guys were bigger than life. I mean, honestly, bigger than life. And it was like, you know, this is a, to me, everybody, I mean, everybody was a wrestler. I mean, I didn't look at it as, you know, my, people walking on the streets, you know, I thought, you know, maybe they're, you know, dad's a wrestler or something. I, it wasn't, you know, that I thought anything, but just to see what it's come to, you know, when the lights came on, you know, they're, personas that's who they were and you think about back then there were so many it was so diversified there was uh, someone for everybody you know now everybody it's cookie cutter it's a cookie cutter everybody's wearing kick pads or you know everybody looks i mean pretty similar wouldn't you say oh big time too too similar yeah back in the day you had ivan putsky the polack and when he first started he I i don't know if you remember my dad when he first started he was a dumb polack couldn't speak english you remember that? Carried the duck yes. behind him, the little wooden duck behind him, had the hat and the overall yep. wore the Chuck Taylors. He was ahead of his time. And he was a real gimmick. Dad had a degree from Southwest Texas. He played football. And at the time, he couldn't speak English. And, you know, I, there's a story he told us. He said, you know, back early on when he first was with Vince, he's, you know, the, New York, there's a big, where you are, East Coast, there's a lot of Polish communities. Yeah, Polish people are very proud people. Oh yeah, although I know. So he said, you know, somehow somebody had told somebody, you know, hey, that's Ivan Putsky's really not Polish. It's all a gimmick. It's all a work. And this is back before the work was a work. You know, people knew anything about it, and so people were starting to suspect, you know, because they'd see him, someone would see him somewhere talking English or something, and you know, and they'd say, so they're telling him what to say. So one of the one of the papers I don't even remember was somewhere on the East Coast, and so the guy comes up, the, the guy's coming to they're going to do an interview. They're just going to you know pretty much bum rush. Him. Well, Vince Vince Senior finds out about it. He tells it. He says, you know, Ivan, you know, here's what's here's what's happening. You know, play along with. Him. You know, Dad loved to do shit like this. So he says, okay. So this guy comes in. He's walking into the arena. This guy sticks a mic in his face. They got a handheld camera. This guy's talking Polish to dad and dad's looking around like you know is someone going to help me you know looking around like someone going to tell me what to say and so the guys you know speaking polish you know asking him questions he asked him you know you know are you really polish you know stick some mic in his face and he asked him a polish dad and he's looking around like you know pet like he's scared he asked him about 10 questions and so dad just kind of stand there like a deer in headlights and so finally the guy grabs a mic and this is all in polish and he says you know, see, I told you Ivan Pusky's a fraud. You know, he does not really Polish. He doesn't have a word, uh, you know, doesn't understand a word I said. All of a sudden, Dad reaches over real calm, grabs the mic, answers every 10 questions he has, speaking fluent Polish, because Dad's fluent Polish. He's from Poland. Hmm. And he kisses the guy on the lips. And the, he was a made man then. He was a made man. The guy goes, holy shit, you are Polish. This, this is no work. <laughs> So, you know, and that's, but that's, that's just a thing that it was. They were all believable, you know, and they knew how to work. 
You know, it was the whole psychology of wrestling back then. It's thrown, been thrown out the window. It's all high spots. And I did love back then, like you said, with the diversity. I mean, yeah, that's Pedro Morales fans. You know, there were no yeah. there was superstar Billy Graham, the muscled up hippie guy with tied eye. There was Wahoo McDaniels, the Indian. There was a, a Iron Sheik, the Iranian, the Cowboy. You know, you go on and on. Jimmy Snooker, the Hawaiian, the Samoans. You know, they had the Samoans. They had, you know, Bruno San Martino, the Italian, you know, guy. The, you know, I, uh, Andre the Giant, the freak. You know, you can it just every they had something for everybody. There was no 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 two that were like. And then when they came in, I remember my dad was really upset when they brought that Igor guy in. I don't, he, he was, I don't know where that came from. But he would, dad would, I mean, they were on two different planes and they tried to, you know, work them together. It just didn't work out. But the whole thing was, is there was somebody for someone different. You know, everybody had, whether you were ethnicity, there was a guy for you. Now, everybody's the same. I mean, there's three or two or three gimmicks, and that's it. As far as you, obviously, you know, you're talking about your dad and MSG, big time. Obviously, you would wrestle there a lot, but big time for you. But Superstar, they headlined a few times. So you being at MSG, you eventually heading to WWE, was that kind of cool? Or did yeah, you not was. really register you know, with you? You were right, no, wrestling the same building. You know, because I was in the Mecca, man. I was, in the, I was at the Mecca of, of wrestling right then. I mean, the first time I walked out there, that was, that was crazy, man. I mean, it was, you know, it was like, it was almost like walking out in the Super Bowl. It's like, dude, I made it. You know, I, all this stuff that I've worked for has come to a head tonight. And, I, you know, I'm here. Now, when you get there, obviously, you know, you're there, maybe tryout matches, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Do they give you a, a contract initially, or do they really make you do that whole tryout match process, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, they made me try. I mean, I guess you could call it a tryout. I don't know what you call him. I mean, I knew I was going to go. Did I have a second thought? No. 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 I mean, I knew I would go, you know, but I didn't know. I didn't know the level of hatred that Vince had for my father. I mean, I had no idea. You know, I had no idea. You know, and, and you know, when, when, when the dragon rears his ugly head, you start to see reality. You're just like, what the? You know, that's why, you know, I say because of, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant or anything, but because of my look and my athleticism, I think I would have probably done better had I not been Ivan Putsky's son and had that name. It's weird the way that kind of worked out. It usually yeah. works out, you think, you know, in your favor. Like, well, NFL it does. NFL it does. I mean, you oh, yeah. Tons of guys in the NFL that aren't shit that are there because their dads are all famous. And there's guys that aren't. But I mean, the point is, is it should be, you know, your your father worked so hard and and gave his everything he had, gave his life, man. I mean, I didn't see my father. I didn't I mean shit. I didn't see my dad growing up. But he gave he gave wrestling every bit of himself. And then you're going to try to shit on me. I mean, because of some animosity you had between you and your father, I don't get it. I don't get it. But everybody's got to look, you know, going back to what I said before, everybody's got to look themselves in the mirror. I don't think Vince McMahon likes what's looking back. You know, I don't think he likes what's looking back. Honestly, if he, if he, if, if truth be told, I mean, I wouldn't, there's no way I'd like 
I mean, physically, he looks like shit. But, I mean, all the stuff that he's done as a person, I mean, I would see devil horns and a devil tail and everything else with him, (laughs) you know. I'm okay with myself. I like what's looking back. And I work and continue and try to, you know, myself, I try to, you know, every day it's it's like I try to say, okay, today's I'm going to try to some way be better, whether it's being nicer to somebody, you know. And we all have our, our downfalls and we all have our, our demons and we all have everything. But every day you can wake up and you can be better at something. Like I said, whether it's, just, it's simply it's just being a little nicer to somebody. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be physical. I mean, it can, but every day it's not going to be physical. It's going to be mental. It's going to be, you know, whatever it is. But every day you should wake up and try to be better. And, like, you know, like what's looking back in the mirror when you look in the mirror. And if you don't, if you honestly don't change it, my God, we can all change. There's no way we can, you know, we don't have to stay the way we are. And people say genetics. It's, it's, it's. I mean, there's some truth to it. There's some truth to it. But do you think I would look the way I looked if if I just said, okay, I got these genetics and I'm just going to walk walk around and I'm going to look like this? No. You know, and my son's really built too. And it's just like, you know, people go, oh, well, you're dad. No. My son did the work. My son put in the work to look like that. I put in the work to look like that. You know, my dad didn't put in the work. He kind of told me a little bit, you know, taught me stuff, but I put in the work. You you know, everybody who's anybody has to put in their own work. But, I mean, sure, some people are more advanced because then they're, they're taught better, and that's the key is knowledge. King, knowledge is king. Bro. Knowledge is king. That's why we started this interview with, you know, I've learned so much over the years, and I've evolved into this person that I am, but it's, it's knowledge. Without knowledge, and you can have all the genetics you want. You're going to look like shit. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think genetics does help as long as you do the work, because obviously you and your father are just tremendous shape. If you want to look up, you know, pro wrestlers, what wrestlers should look like, you and your father would you would definitely, you know, be towards the, the top of that list as far as how it. you should marry yourself. That's a compliment to me. To me, that's an extreme compliment. You know, anybody that, that says that is a compliment, because I put in the work, and I, you know, and it's not because I'm, you know, vanity or anything like that. It's 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 therapy to me, man. Going to the gym is therapy to me. I mean, I you know work out with my family, I do stuff, and it's it's therapy. It's it's therapy to me. Get on my bike and just sit in the road is therapy to me. You know, it's just like I forget about everything. I don't, you know, there's nothing else. I'm just focused on this, and it's, it's therapy. As far as you and your father, obviously your dad, when you're in the WWF, comes and kind of comes to your aid when you're feuding with Brian Christopher, and then Brian Christopher brings his father along. Obviously, he was there as a commentator, but brings him in along to the feud, and it's kind of you and your dad against Brian Christopher and his father. Was that something you thought they might do something more with, and they might have them could more with? You know, you got you got two legends, you got two. Sons sure. of legends. You think that they yeah. should have done more what with happened, that? What happened with that, John? I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm just going to shoot with you. I'm going to. I'm going to shoot with everybody. Me and my dad don't get along. Mm. Me and my dad don't get along. My dad could care less about anybody but himself. And I mean, I'm just going to tell you like it is. The man, he's self-centered. And I tell uh, this is this is the analogy that I tell people. 
someone wants to come along and say, one of you two's got to die. But I'm going to let you, Ivan, pick. Either you or your son's got to die. Without a doubt in my mind, without a doubt in my mind, do I not think that he would say, kill him. Me, on the other hand, if someone was to come to me and say, Scott, you are a Christian, one of you has got to die, I'd grab the gun, put it to my head, and pull the trigger myself. Now, why is that with, with you and your father? Like, well, there... I, think because, I think because as a kid I, I idolized him so much, and it was, you know, this person. It goes back to the whole theme of, you know, these people are bigger than life. These guys are bigger than life. And as I got older, I think what triggered it, you know, he's always been like that. You know, and I remember growing up as a kid, you know, we had a gym at our house, and we worked out, and he had us working out. His, and the big thing was doing squats. He wanted big, everybody to have big legs. So his first question to us when he, we would talk on the phone, and, and that's basically how we communicated was on the phone because he was on the road 320 days a year. You doing your squats? That was the first thing that came out of his mouth. And I remember that. I remember that. You know, never once did he ask me, you know, how are you doing in school or this. Never once did my father. I was good in baseball. I was really good in baseball. My dad didn't could care less for baseball. So, you know, in high school, I ended up quitting not playing baseball. But I never threw the baseball with my father. I never threw the football with my father. You know, and 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 as a kid, I idolized him so much. You know, I idolized him so much. I wanted to be like him. And then when I grew up and I was like him. I, I I don't say I didn't like myself because I did like myself because I was a different person. But what triggered all this was I think, you know, my dad would come over to my house and he would sit there when my son was born and he would, he wouldn't really spend a whole lot of time, you know, with us as, you know, he'd come and leave and he wouldn't want to stay. My mom would want to stay for weeks if she could, he'd come for a day or two and be gone. But one day my son came up to me and he said, daddy, why doesn't grandpa love me? I said, what? What are you talking about, Christian? This is what triggered him. He said, he doesn't play with me like everybody else does. And I looked at my father, and I see him, and he's sitting on the couch watching football. And this light goes on in my head and goes, you know what? He's been like that his whole life. He's been like that his whole life. It's give me, give me, give me. You know, whenever you're not done, when you're done, then he's done with you. You know, and it's it's his loss because he didn't really get to know my grand my son. He didn't really get to know me or my brothers. I mean, I think he spends more time. And I, and I don't I don't have a real relationship with him. I mean, we talk every now and then, or if we see something because of my mom. But you know, it's 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 something that I you know to this day it's like you know I don't you know I. His wrestling side is okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll play that game. I'll play that game with people. And, you know, because that's what they want to hear. That's what everybody wants to hear. You know, you're the set I'm but the whole bullshit wrestling deal. Mm-hmm. But what it comes down to is we don't talk. I don't talk to him. And I'm done. You know, I basically just said I'm done because just, you know, I look back and his life and my life were never on the same page. He wanted, I was basically a show pony for him. You know, I meet people and they were like, damn, man, I thought you were like six, nine and 350 pounds the way he described you. You know, as good as I look, people would still, you know, guys would say, man, I thought you were, you know, like this monster, like Godzilla or something. 
And I'd be like, nah, this is it, man. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> is it. <laughs> you know, but then it was totally different when he, you know, when he was with us, it was just like, eh. it goes back to my son. Why doesn't grandpa love? That's basically the way it was. You know, it's when we were kids. So, you know, it is what it is, and 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 life goes on, and you know, we we all pay the piper for our do good deeds and our bad deeds. But you know, I I would have had a better career in wrestling if I wouldn't have been Ivan Batista. I honestly believe that. Interesting. You, you know, you never truly know the the real background, if you will. Of, of you know, you figure. You're in the business. He was in the business. You never truly know, you know, what what's going on behind the scenes or the relationship of the father and son. Sometimes, obviously, you know, it's not as perfect as people think or as people tend to want to think as well. Well, I just wanted his approval. I wanted his love. And to wrestle and do what he did or, you know, play football and do whatever it was, it was I did it because I wanted his love. Now I do what I do because I want my son's love. I mean, I you know I changed his diapers when he's a kid. I quit wrestling. I you know I did, I've given up a lot. I've given up a whole lot. I've had opportunities to do a lot of things. I didn't do them because I had a family, and that was more important to me than you know stardom or anything. And that goes again. Uh, and this is something my father taught me, and I you know I, I can't take that away from him. <laughs> he told me always when I first started. He always told me he said just remember this. You know besides the. Um, you know, they can only feel it. They can only see it. They can't feel it. But he also told me, he said, just remember this. When you start to believe your gimmick, you're dead. You're done. When you start to believe you're actually that person, you're done. And you know what the sad part about this, John? He believed his fucking gimmick. He believed huh. that he was. But he told me not to. I honestly believe that. And that was the best thing he could have said to me because I didn't. And I didn't become vain like that. I didn't become, you know, this, um, you know, bigger than thou, you know, I'm better than you type person. Hmm. Almost sounds like maybe he kind of realizes it a little bit about himself and he didn't want you to kind of turn out like he did. Almost kind of has that. that I mean, and that can be, that is a possibility. Yeah. You know, that is a possibility. And he, you know, I would, I would, I would, you know, I would hope, that is true. I, I, you know, I can only hope it's true. And it's like I told my mom. I said, you know, mom, the day dad comes to me, I mean, we have a rip. We do. We have a. There's, there's this, there's a wall between us. And I said, the day he comes to me, and he apologizes. I mean, that's all he's got to do is just come to me and apologize. Come to me, and apologize. But honestly, don't just come to me because you told him to come. I mean, he honestly comes to me. And he realizes what he's done. My life, my whole life. And he comes to me, and I can tell it's a heartfelt apology. I'll forgive him on the, the second he says it. I mean, the second he said it, I it would forgive him. Everything would be forgotten. And you know what she says? What? He won't do it because he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. I mean, as a man, you see that. You can see that. I mean, just me telling you this story, you can see. I mean, you understand what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. Yep. You have children. Yes. Okay. Think of your son saying that to you. Or at least your, your wife going to you and saying, this is how your son feels. And you looking back and you go, you know, he's right. 
You're right. The difference between me and my dad is I crawled through shit for my son. He wouldn't crawl through nothing for me. He'd take. And like with the Brian Christopher thing and the the the, the Jerry Lawler deal, Vince came to us and said, what do y'all want to do? And he's like, well, and he goes, we want to put Scott over. You know, we're going to try to get him over and do this, yada, yada. And so, you know, what they were really going to do is put the heat on dad. And then we were going to, you know, which which would have made sense, right? I mean, back and forth. And he didn't want to do it. He didn't want – he just wanted, you know, that if you watch the match, he had one high – came in for the end, really. That's it. That's all he came in for. I mean, he put himself over is what he did. And, I mean, you could see both sides were disgusted. Everybody was like, except for him. I mean, except for him. And I guess that's kind of when Vince was like, uh, we're not going to kind of I believe so. I go forward. Kind of yeah, he's still him. the same Ivan Putsky. He's not going to change. He'll he'll be hard to work with. That's honestly what I believe. But it, again, it goes back. To, it is what it is. I've had a blessed life. I've, I'm grateful for everything that God has given me and continues to give me. And I move. You know, I keep moving, and I keep moving. And I, you know, if my story helps anybody or my story, you know, inspires anybody then I'm happy. One person it inspires one. If I can help one person, I'm happy. And as far as you leaving the WWF, is that something that injuries or did you quit? Like how did you actually exit from the WWF at that, at that point? Yeah. I, when I tore, I tore my quad in that, that pay-per-view, the uh, ground zero. Yeah. And Brian was going to do a plancha and I'd asked him, I said, you know, where he dive through the ropes, the little plancha thing. I said, bro, have you done this before? You know, because, you know, I was doing the little flips and stuff. You know, I could do – I was a lot more athletic than him. And so I guess he was trying to get over better. And he, and he said, yeah, you know. And you watch that tape. He dives through the rope, dives over the ropes, and he turns, and he's he's going to land on his back. He's going he's gonna to break his back. I'd lean forward and grab him. And when I did – and I was so lean back then, I didn't have a whole lot of water in my system. My, my, my thigh just, you know – in the position I was, because I was leaning forward trying to save him from busting his ass. You know, now I should have just let him crash and break his fucking back. But that's just, you know, I read your instinct is, oh, shit. And so I lean forward, and I do, and I, when I catch him and then pull him up, my leg's in a weird position, and it just tore that outer and inner quad. And so I hit the ground, and, you know, I, t- I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I just felt something weird, you know. And so I get up, I start to get up, and my kneecap pops up. And I'm like, oh, shit. And you, now you're in a panic mode. So I pull, I pull my knee, and I push it back down. It pops. And I'm like, okay. So I pull my knee pad up, and I start to get up, and I see my muscle rolling up. <laughs> Ooh. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, so I just sit, you, I basically just sat there and panic. And just, you know, oh, fuck, you know, what I do? You know, my athlete in me wants to get up and go, but your body won't move. I mean, there's no way I could possibly. I've torn in and out of quad, so you know it ended like it did. And um, but I'm gonna tell you this: Iron Sheik, she, I call him Sheiky baby. Iron <laughs> Sheik was with me from point one to point two. He, from when we left the when we left the arena, he got in the ambulance with me and rode all the way to the hospital with me. He was an agent for Vince back then, but he rode rode to the hospital with me. And I'm like, Sheiky baby, you can go, man. You know, don't. And they're gonna they're gonna take care of me. He's like, no, your daddy would want me to, you know, pounding and hitting his chest, doing his mustache. My new daddy want me to be here for you, you know. 
So in a sense, he was more of a dad for me than, than my own freaking father was. I mean, the people around me, the guys, you know, treated me better than uh, my own father was. But that's that story. And, you know, after that, um, I, you know, caught, when I healed, I called Vince. And, of course, you know, uh, DDP is trying to get me out of the WCW. And everybody's on trying to get me WCW. But I'm under contract with WCWF. But we're in WWF, we were on, you know, whatever you basically your whatever you did how much you worked is how much you got paid and so i'm not working and i you know i called uh bruce pritchard at the time and i'm like hey bruce you know y'all got anything in the works or what and they're like no man we don't you know i don't know what what's going on so it's like you know i got to do something and i got these something like well man is there any way y'all can give me a release i mean can y'all release me and he goes i don't know man let me, you know let me talk to Vince. So a day goes by, he calls me back. He goes, he goes, all right, man. He goes, you really want to be released? I was like, yeah. And so he goes, okay. And so when I went to WCW, I was still, I mean, I wasn't fully 100%, but they would fly me to the shows, you know, to meet the guys and stuff. I mean, I guess initially they had plans for me. And I went to a couple of shows, you know, before I was even healed, before I really even worked. So, I mean, from that aspect, when I first got there, I thought it was going to be cool. You know, here's guys, you know, they're flying me in, you know, picking up the bill, paying me, and I'm not even working. And I probably didn't work a month for a month before, you know, I had about a month left of rehab and then before I could work and they started paying me. So, I mean, for that, I'm thankful. So, I, you know, I, I was blessed. I was blessed. That is great because, um, you know, WBF not paying you. You go to WCW, you get guaranteed right. deal. Even when you're not working, you get paid. I mean, it's pretty great. Right. I mean, you, you sit there and you go out to the mailbox every two weeks and you got this big check and you're like, I, I remember, honestly remember, and that was when Punk was a big thing. Remember that, that MTV show Punk? Yes. Oh, yes. I remember one day walking out to the to the mailbox. I'm laughing, going, I'm going to get this check. This is like, you know, unreal, surreal. And I get to the mailbox and I go, hold on a second. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, dude, is this that show Punk? Am I getting punked? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this, this is too easy. This, this is way too easy. You know, I do this little bit of, you know, and I'm used to seeing the whole, this big, the, the big picture of wrestling, you know, where they drove everywhere originally, you know, this this traveling. And I'm working two days a week, or I'm, some days I'm not even on the show, and I'm getting this check. I'm looking around going, dude, is Ashton Kutcher going to come out of here and go, dude, you just been punked. <laughs> that is great, though. I mean, obviously for oh, yeah. you and, WCW and, and obviously you know the time there you said wasn't that great, but at least the pay was oh, good. That, I can't, I can't, you know. And I got to, you know, like I said, I got to be around my son. I got to, you know, it, it was wonderful. It was, just, it was wonderful. But you know, when that curtain came, it was just like, man, this this ain't for me. It's, I don't. This horse is fixing to die. And it wasn't shortly after I left it did die. Think about it. It was probably maybe eight months, six months, maybe a year. I don't know. I didn't watch, but it, then everybody was going to jump the ship. You know, it died, and everybody was going to Vince. But I saw the writing on the wall. I mean, it was obvious. It was so obvious. I mean, I don't see how Bischoff and those guys didn't see it. I mean, you can't just burn through a guy's money. I heard they were paying, uh, uh, what's the... Ring announcer guy, uh, Michael Buffer. Buffer, I heard they're paying him a hundred grand a pop. Oh, what I heard, <laughs> a pop, a hundred G's a pop. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. he he's a great ring announcer, no, but he was not a wrestling announcer. As you, well, you he remember, he would he screw up a lot of the game names. He didn't make a difference. I mean, yep. there was no, you know, he, he didn't make it. There was no, he, he was irrelevant to wrestling at that time. I mean, he could, he was, it was, I mean, you, the show wouldn't have changed a bit. So, but that was just one of their deals. You know, we got yeah. this guy and you don't. We can afford him and you can't. And it is what it is. And <laughs> we live and learn. And, you know, one day maybe this world will be blessed and wrestling will go back to the 70s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s. Only uh, could wish. Going back to the, uh, the the golden era, but as we hit the wind down button, we start to wind it down here. I got to ask you because you know we were talking about WWF and WCW and different matches here or there, but what are some of your favorite matches, kind of away from from the you know from the two big ones? Like you have some global favorite matches. You have, oh, I know you, had, you said you had Black some favorite. Bart. I loved working with Black Bart. Oh, I loved working. I mean, you know who Black Bart is, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. When I first started in, I call him Bartski. He's my Polish brother from another mother. Black Bart, we'd get in there, and I learned, I started at Global, and you know that era up there in the Sportatorium, and that's where I really started and worked every week. And we did TV, and I remember I'd go into the to the and Grizzly Smith, Jake's dad, Jake and Sam, dad and Robin's dad. You know who Grizzly is, right? Absolutely, yeah. Was oh, yeah. the booker? Was the booker? Was the booker? Now you see why I say I loved it so much. <laughs> Grizzly was the booker, loved it. So I'd go in and we had a chalkboard and they had the matches and next to it was the time. So we'd go in, this is all TV, and so I'd go in and, you know, you see so and so and so and so, you know, five minutes, so and so and so and so, four minutes, so and so and so and so, ten minutes. And it was always Putsky and Bart, 25 minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, and I'm thinking, what? You know? And then we'd have these matches, you know, they're having me just bust my ass and I'm dying. And then when TV came, they put on maybe five minutes of a 25-minute match. And so this goes on for a while. And finally I go to Grizz. I'm like, Grizz, what? Well, I kind of earned my stripes where I can ask questions. And I'm like, Grizz, what? what's going on? He goes, he goes, Scott, you don't understand? I was like, no, sir. He said, we're teaching you to work. We're teaching you to work. I dare one of these guys now to work a 25-minute match. I did it week after week. I Bart, Black Bart, I mean, you know, with him, Dick Murdoch. I mean, it was, it was, it was, I was blessed, man. I mean, I was blessed to have guys like that, you know, and they taught me and I learned and, you know, we'd come back to the back and then, you know, when I'm back, you know, doing, and I am the champion and I am doing good and I've figured out this, sport and you know things are going good and I'm rolling on now you know I, I would go back to the back after a match and I'm you know only having a regular TV match and I go back and I'd sit down Skandar Akbar you know do be there and you know a Grizz and we they tell you they say Scotty you know this and this was good you know this wasn't good you know this was good this wasn't good and so they honestly tell you, they sit there and watch you and tell you and that's so you kind of got I got feedback and I loved it. I mean, I loved it. The guys were all, everybody was just, they, I think, that, you know, and there was older guys and younger guys, but the younger guys were working, trying to make a name for themselves. The older guys got, 
they, they were like, we're trying to make some money here. You know, we're trying to make some money. Well, I won't make it by any means necessary. I don't care if I got to put this kid over. You know, it's work. But I'm, uh, you know, they understood it. And guys like Black Bart, I love him. I can't tell you how much I love that guy and how much that guy himself taught me. You know, just him alone. Just working with him. I feel like there's so many underrated guys from, like, Global sure. or that Dallas, Texas area. It's crazy. John Tatum comes to yeah. mind. Rod yeah, Price Pryce. comes to mind. Rod Price. I had great matches with Rod Price. I don't know if you remember Rod. Oh, yeah. How stud. Yeah, we loved working with Rod. I mean, we were both stiff on each other, so we'd laugh. And then eventually we teamed up. You know, the thing was when Global, whenever they stripped me of my belt, and I went to Japan, and they didn't want me to go to Japan. But I was like, man, i got to go to Japan. You know, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. i got to go. And so they were telling me, well, you may not have a job when you get back. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and go. So I went and I came back. And so then they punished, they were going to punish me. And so you know how they punished me? They made me heal. I loved it. What are you talking about? Dude, I <laughs> love being a heel. I absolutely love being a heel. I'm a heel by nature in the ring. <laughs> you know? Hmm. Yep. I loved it. And, you know, and then they figured out, oh, okay, well. He'd get, he'd get over the heel. So. But that's how they were going to punish me initially, by making me heal. We're going to make you heal. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's all a work, but it's kind of fun being a bad guy. Was Global one of those leagues that you kind of wish, you know, obviously they were on national because they were on ESPN for a while, but is that one of those promotions you kind of wish flourished a little bit more because you had yeah, so much fun down there? They just got some bad and some investors, guys that got in on it, and I'm not going to name any names, and, and you probably don't know these people anyway because they're local, but they got in on it and tried to push shit down people's throats, and, you know, Grizz ended up leaving, and just, you know, just different things happened, and it just kind of, you know, people started leaving, and it just it went from there, but I think under the right guidance, or if it would have kept, that train would have kept moving forward, it would have been like ECW was. You know, it would have been the ECW on a bigger scale because they were national television. But I think it had been like that right off the bat. I mean, it was it was heading that way. Not not the hard, hardcore shit like that. I mean, that was ridiculous. But, the you know, still, you look at the Texas, the, the, all these matches ECW is doing. Paulie, he stole all that shit from Texas. You know, street fight match. There was Texas street fight match. I was back when Dad was there. They'd wear you know, boots tucked in, blue jeans, tape their fist, you know, carry whatever they want out there, you know, cage matches, chain matches, bull rope matches. You know, they had all kinds of barbed wire matches, funks. You know, they had all that here early, and that was in the 70s. A lot of that hardcore, real hardcore stuff came from Texas. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I think, I honestly think under the right guy, or if they would have just left it alone, and let that, that train keep moving, I think Global would have done really well. I think it would have done really well. I think it would have been a – they were because they would have stayed that with, – with, with Grizz and those guys, they would have stayed that niche. You know, they would have stayed that old school. You know, you weren't going to change Grizz. And, you know, where Jake learned it from? Everybody, you know, Jake's a genius. I mean, mentally, not physically, but mentally as far as – psychologically in the ring, he's a genius. Where do you think he learned it from? From Grizz. Grizz was, he was, he knew. He knew what people wanted to see, and he gave it to them. As far as Eddie Gilbert being there as well, 
was he a part of booking at all, or, or, or was yeah, he kind of a mind down there? Downhill. That's when it started going downhill when Pettacino and them came in, if you noticed. I don't, I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, Joe Pettacino, yep. Yeah, when Pettacino and Gilbert and them came in, it kind of just – but that was that was that way the, the, the money guys here were trying to change it and, you know – if if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, and it wasn't broke. It was doing well. But, you know, you get people in people's ear, hey, I know this guy, I can bring him in, we can get this and you you didn't have broke product. You didn't need fixing. It was doing great. It was doing great. They should have left it like that. But yeah, that was kind of the transition kind of when it started kind of the train started going downhill. I'm not gonna necessarily say Eddie did it. You know, he didn't, but you know, the people after him and the people after them and the people after them, and it just slowly, everybody jumped ship, and that was it. Do you think if you didn't get hurt from football, do you think you would have went to wrestling eventually, or do you think you would have just tried to stick it out with football as long as you could? I think I would have played football. I don't think I would have went into wrestling. I don't think I don't think for a second I would. I think, I, you know, I would have – I mean, I love football. I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Um I think I would have, if I could have stayed healthy and played till I was content, I don't think I, and I didn't need wrestling now with us because I think I would have seen the big picture. You know, at that point I would have seen the big picture and I was like, look, I don't need this. I don't need this financially. I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't have got into wrestling. Do you have any regrets as far as wrestling goes, you know, um, as far as the business? No, I wouldn't necessarily say any regrets because, like I said, I, you know, I've, from all the mistakes that I've made and all the, you know, all the bad things and good things that have happened, I've learned. I mean, it's it's I lived a life that you know not many people can say they lived, and and you know, I learned. I learned what not to do, and I learned what to do, and I learned. You know, I can't really say. I, the only thing I can say is the only regret. And this, it, it, honest to God, the only regret I have is entering wrestling as Ivan Batista under that name. Because I think, other than that, you take that name out of it, you take the name out of it, and you just put me as a person in my own character, whatever you want to do. We can do whatever you want to do. Think of whatever character you want to put in. About a flourished. Because I wouldn't have carried nobody's baggage. I wouldn't have to carry nobody's baggage. It would have been me. Yeah, this is me. You're getting me. You're not getting this baggage over here. Ivan Putsky, you're getting me. Take me and show me and tell me what you want me to do. And I'd have done it. Now, as far as your legacy in the business, when people kind of look back at Scott Putsky, look back at the Polish Prince, what do you think they're going to say? What is that, that stamp? that you leave behind on the business. You know, you got your naysayers. You got all, you know, these smart marks, what they want to call themselves. You're going to have haters. You're going to have people that loved you. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's, it's up to whoever, you know, everybody's got opinions and opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. I, I personally don't care what people think about me. I, I can tell you though, whenever I stepped in that ring, I gave you everything I had every time. I mean, to the point where I hurt myself, but what you can, I mean, people say negative things. People say good, positive things. It, I mean, God bless the people that say positive things, love you to death. But the haters, you know, you're gonna, you're, they're gonna always hate you. And I mean, those guys are always gonna be around because they're miserable with their own lives, so they're trying to make somebody else miserable. 
if you don't have anything positive to say, you know, about somebody you don't know, you know, you, they don't know me. They don't know me from nothing. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't care. I'm, I really don't care. You know, if you like me, great. If you didn't, it's your opportunity. It's wrestling. Uh, you know, we hate people. We love people. Certain guys we boo. Certain guys we cheer. If you if you hated me, then I did my job. I made you hate me. I mean, ha, ha, ha. Funny jokes on you. You love me? Ha, ha, ha. You love me. You know, I did my job. I got I to gotta rise out of you one way or another. And these guys that come out and, you know, want to bash people, want to bash guys, they're sitting back laughing because these guys on the Internet that sit behind a computer smelling their own farts, talking about trash about people, you know, you got something to say, come say it to my face, big man. You know, if you really hate me that much, come say it to my face. You know, buy your ticket, come to come to Dallas. But I don't, it, 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 it's irrelevant. I'm getting the rise. You're getting the rise out of them. I don't have a second thought about whoever said anything bad about me. I don't even know them. So you can say what you want, and I'm going to hear it or see it by, you know, the way somebody says, hey, man, do you see what so-and-so know? Well, they said, okay. But they're the ones that are getting upset and have to write this rant, you know, and God bless the ones that write good things. I mean, that's what I did it for, was to entertain people. You know, if I entertained you, I'm glad. I'm, you know, I'm happy, and I, you know, love you to death. If I didn't, sorry, I tried. As far as social media or anything like that, do you have any plugs or anything you'd like to kind of get out there? I mean, I know Facebook, obviously, you, you use, but do you have any other, um, you know, nah, social media or anywhere you want the fans to kind of connect nah, with you? I'm not big into social media, man. I'm, you know, I just never really got into it. I just. You know, it's it's kind of a, you know, on-again, off-again thing with me. It's just, as I'm to say, I'll say it. If I don't, I won't. But it's just, it's something I never really got big into. You know, I just, was, I've always been a pretty private person. You know, I'll throw stuff out there. But as far as someone knowing, you know, the people that are closest to me know me and the people that are not, you know, know of me. And I just kind of keep it at that. Is there anywhere do you would you like the fans to kind of contact you, or you, you know you prefer like to, you know, kind of uh, stay in the background if you will? I mean, if they want to talk, contact me. Contact my Facebook. You know, Scott Putsky Bonarski. You know, that's really the only thing I every now and then jump on and listen to. I don't get on you know Instagram on some. You know, I'm on Instagram some, but as far as there's anything, you know, Twitter. And, FaceTime, whatever the hell the shit these kids do nowadays. <laughs> I mean, there's so many new things coming down the pipe. My son told me, hey, Dad, I'm on. I'm just like, okay. Never heard of it. It was like, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, you know, they're on some big supersonic roller coaster. I'm still on, you know, Star Wars. <laughs> Well, Scott, I'd like to uh, thank you for all the time you gave us. I really appreciate it. And if you could, let us know where that sound of youth is, because I'll tell you what, you haven't aged at all. And, and the genetics, whatever you want to say, you know, you're working hard, but the genetics, whatever it is, that sound of youth, hey, you have found it. That is for sure. Just, just love yourself, man. Love yourself and love the people around you, and you'll be fine. If you love yourself and you love the people around you, and you, you know, like I said, help one person a day. Just help one person a day. Or even help one person a week. You'll be a better person for it. I promise. I promise.
Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.